Thank you for listening to this podcast message from Stowe Presbyterian Church. This message was given by Pastor Bob Stanley. If you want to follow along with me, this is the end of our series we've been going through in Lent, and this passage is in your bulletin this morning. It was the day of preparation, and the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath they rested according to the commandments. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. As we saw in the video this morning, and as you already know, life can feel empty. There are great times when it feels so full and so wonderful, and there are times when it feels so painful and so difficult. There are times when things aren't just tough at work, but no matter how hard you work, there doesn't seem to be enough when you get the check. When the doctor calls you and says, you know, you need to come back in for some more testing. When you don't get the promotion at work, or worse yet, when the boss says, hey, we're going to need to downsize. When you feel like you've lost everything, and worse yet, you feel like it's all your fault. Emptiness is not hard for us to find in our world. But have you ever thought about that the the emptiness you know has a substantial stake in the emptiness of the tomb of Jesus Christ? Your story, whether you know Jesus or whether you come here today and you don't really know Jesus and someone said you had to come and then there's brunch afterwards, that's okay. I understand. But whether you're on one side of that belief spectrum or all the way on the other, the emptiness of the tomb is tied with the emptiness you feel in your life cosmically, spiritually, relationally. This one event in history, the fabric of your very identity, if you're a believer, it's tied to whether or not that tomb was empty on Easter morning. Even if you've never thought about that, and many of you have not, it's a reality because you are staking all of your life, your life now and your life for all eternity on that fact. 
For centuries, people have tried to come up with explanations as to what happened to Jesus' body, for we know it was laid in the tomb. The rock rolled in front of it weighed several tons, probably like about as much as an old VW Beetle. It was on a groove track and fell down in there. It was not something that a whole bunch of men could easily move. There were Roman soldiers guarding it. It had a wax seal upon it. And yet, when the women went to keep the smell down on the body, they found that it was empty. The explanations vary. Some people say Jesus had a twin brother or a look-alike, and yet his family and friends certainly knew it was him. And all of them, except for John, went to their deaths as martyrs for the faith, not in some violent, aggressive kind of martyrdom, but calmly. They and thousands of other Christians still today in our world go to their deaths for their faith in Jesus Christ. There's all kinds of theories. The swoon theory. Somehow, even though the Romans were the most efficient people at crucifixion in the history of the world, even though they speared Jesus completely through, somehow he just kind of fell asleep and woke back up and Somehow he moved that rock out of the way himself from the inside and walked out. All kinds of theories, all, con all kinds of ideas, none of them satisfying. No, Jesus really did die. He really was laid in the tomb. And the women, as we've talked about in our series, who were not even allowed to be witnesses in court, were the ones that God took. Notice, ladies, that they got it first. The guys had to catch up later. Kind of like the world today sometimes. Let's be honest, guys. He really died. He really went to the tomb. He was laid in it. And yet we learn in John 21 that the disciples saw Jesus after he arose and they even ate breakfast with him. And Ones like Thomas that were afraid, all of them, he went up and said, I need to touch you, I need to know. And they saw that Jesus was alive. Jesus had told them this was going to happen. John 16, he says, Behold, the hour is coming, indeed it has come, when you'll be scattered each to his own home and you'll leave me alone. They had run off and they were afraid. But he said, Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will know tribulation, you will know trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus had overcome even sickness and death and darkness. The darkness we talked about here on Monday, Thursday. Behold, morning has come. The light has dawned. Those disciples who had run, who had hidden, who felt so empty, so afraid, like we feel at times in our lives, they saw the risen Christ. They saw Him. What does that mean for us? What does it mean it is the most important historical event if that tomb was empty. It's powerful. It should change your life. And that's what we celebrate today is the power of the resurrection, that our lives would be different. Today, I want to go over just three ways with you as to why the empty tomb changes the emptiness that we often experience in this broken world. And make no mistake, what we are arguing here is that the empty tomb changes everything. Everything changes because of that. 
The Apostle Paul says here in 1 Corinthians, he wants to remind us of the gospel, the good news that the tomb was empty. That we would hold fast, that we would understand the most important thing in our lives is that Jesus Christ not only died for our sins, that he was buried, but that that tomb is empty. He was raised on the third day. If that tomb is empty, it is the single most important event in all of human history. And these three things we're going to talk about are going to argue why that matters to us in the emptiness in our lives. First of all, it means that death does not have the final word for us. It doesn't have the final word. The book of Romans says that Christ who was delivered up for us, that he paid the price for our sins and that the payment was received and he arose that he paid the price. Our sins were justified. We were declared not guilty before God. What does that mean for your life today? What does that mean? It means that despite the painful, sinful, broken emptiness we know, and worse yet, like we talked about, that when we know it's our fault, you know what I'm talking about. You all have times in your life when it's been your fault. When you experience pain and hardship And as you look in the mirror, you know, I brought this on myself. I hurt myself. I hurt other people. Other times you're hurting because someone else has done something and it's hurt you. It's made a difference in your life. It's broken your life. That passage from Romans, we're studying Romans, by the way, the rest of this year, on other Sundays in our church, that passage on Romans reminds us the empty tomb shows us that not only we can have eternal life, but there's hope beyond what we experience in our life now. In Revelation, we learn that those who die in Christ will have a great time of celebration, will be restored in every way, mentally, physically, emotionally, restored in God's presence. We celebrate the empty tomb today because it tells us there is a life apart from sin, from hurt, from failure, from suffering, from all that we know in this life, there is something better yet to come. And Christ came to provide that. Death does not have the final word. If you're hurting today, if you're frightened today, if something's going on in your life where you don't know how long you have left, I want to remind you that in Jesus Christ, you have all eternity. That is, friends, good news. If we call on him in faith and believe upon him and say, God, I can't save myself. I can't get myself together. I need to belong to you. He says, that's why I came and that's why I rose. That's what it means. We don't have to live in fear and frustration because of the empty places we know in our lives or because of what we don't know that is yet to come. In Jesus Christ, we know that death and darkness and suffering does not have the final word because Christ came and he defeated it all. The next thing, it's not just in that life to come, but today we don't have to live in fear and frustration. We are free to live beyond right now. Do you know how incredible it is that you don't have to be trapped in the moment or the urgency of it? When that emptiness comes and it grips your soul, you can stop and you can say, wait a minute, I belong to Christ and there's something beyond this. And whatever this is, it's better. 
I have hope for the life to come, but I have hope in this life right now. I can choose to have a different perspective. I can have a focus that is on what is of eternal value. Eternal value. Look at the passage there. Look what it says. And God raised the Lord. He'll also raise us up. Our future is secure, and so our present can be changed. We can live a different life. We can live a different life. In fact, we can live beyond our fear and frustration, and we're free to live beyond the now. The Apostle Paul, you see, he knew those people that knew Jesus, the ones who all except for John were martyred for their faith. He knew them. And at one point, he was the greatest persecutor of the church. But he didn't just know them. He knew all the other members of Christ's church, the early church, and he went and hunted them down because he thought they were a problem for the Jewish faith until he met Jesus supernaturally on the road to Damascus. And Paul's life was changed and he was different. He didn't know just the apostles. He didn't just know those in the church. He knew Jesus and his life was never the same. And so he wrote down some of the things that happened. Five times I was received 40 lashes less one. That's like what happened to Jesus, only Paul survived some of that. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at the sea. Frequent journeys, I was in danger from rivers, robbers, from my own people, from foreign people. Danger whether I was in the city or out in the wilderness, whether I was at sea or whether I was with people who pretended to be my people. I had toil, I had hardship, I had many a sleepless night. I had hunger and thirst, went without food and cold and exposure. He was imprisoned. This makes dirty jobs with Mike Rowe look a little bit easy, doesn't it? So when some TV preacher tells you God's going to give you your best life now and make it all better, ask him to open a Bible. Because the rest of us look and say, my life sucks. Why is that? Because the world's full of sin and Paul wants us to know that God promises he'll be with you, not that he'll make everything perfect. But if you belong to him, if you belong to him, your life can be filled with joy and with hope, and with strength beyond the moment. You are perfectly free, you and I, to live and to love and serve other people even when we're hurting with extravagant grace, with extravagant mercy, and with compassion because God is with us. We can live beyond the now. What it means to know the tomb is empty is to know that we can have a different life and that reality should change us and the problem is often we simply don't let it. We don't. We don't. We end up saying something like this. God, I know that I can and that I will. I know that you are with me. But I'm just too... Think about what that is for you. I'm just too... And God says, no. Just like Paul, whatever you're going through, I'll be with you and I'll walk with you beyond that. Knowing the tomb is empty and that we are free, that God is with us, it should change us. It should change us and who we are and how we look at our lives, and it should change how we interact with other people. There's a great story. If many of you know Jim Cimbala, the preacher from the Brooklyn Tabernacle. You guys have probably seen his books. 
Everybody's heard the Brooklyn Tabernacle, I'm guessing, right? Big church, amazing church. Jim Cimbala tells a story as a preacher at Easter time. So Easter, a number of years ago, they had just finished multiple services. They probably, they probably have like six services. I don't even know. And he was tired. So Jim sat down on the edge of the platform. He was just sitting there. People had come forward. The leaders of the church and their, their counselors were praying with people. And it was a great day, and he was exhausted. And this man comes up to him named David. David walked up to Jim, and he was exhausted. And he looked over and saw this guy. Before David got to him, he could smell David. He said, hey, what's your name? He said, I'm David. I slept last night in an abandoned truck. And as he smiled and talked to Jim, Jim realized he didn't have most of his teeth. He was obviously an alcoholic. You could see it on his face. David explained to Jim that he was 32, but he looked like he was over 50. Jim was so tired, he just reached into his pocket and went to give him a few dollars to help him out or see if he had a meal voucher, which is often what they do at the Brooklyn Tabernacle. He wanted to give him a meal voucher. And David stopped him and got very passionate. He said, put your money away. I don't want your money. I'm out on the streets. I'm going to die soon. And I need to know about this Jesus while I still have time. And he started crying. And Jim Cimbala looked at him and he started crying because he realized he had failed to see David the way that Christ saw David. You see, Christ came for all of us. Those of us that have made all the best decisions and we think that that makes us right before God even though it doesn't. And those of us that have made the worst decisions and we think we're so bad that Jesus would never, ever want anything to do with us. And they cried together. When Jim took the time to get to know David. He realized he was free. He could do that. He could love him. And David got clean and he got his teeth replaced and he got himself together. And a year and a half later, he gave his testimony at that church and Jim realized David could be a preacher. He gave his testimony so powerfully and God's Spirit moved so incredibly that he talked to David. David ended up going to school and becoming a preacher and now he's the associate pastor of a church in New Jersey and he and Jim still spend time together with their families at the holidays. Jesus Christ came, laid down his life. He died, and he was raised again that we celebrate this day. That tomb is empty so that you and I recognize we have the freedom to live different lives and to love and serve people differently. But often we're too frustrated, too hurt, too tired, too busy to even see what's going on in the world around us. And you know what? In our world today, we could all use with a little more compassion, a little more grace, a little more mercy. And Jesus says, I'm here. I'm here to give it to you. And that brings me to the last thing. Because that tomb is empty, Christ has not just ascended unto heaven, but yet His Spirit, if you are Christian, it rules and reigns over your heart and your life that same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells within you. And it's available to all of us that would give our life to Jesus Christ. That we would belong to Him. He is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through Him since He always lives to make intercession for them. Hebrews 7.25 reminds us that Christ is right there in the, in the presence of the Father. The Father that raised Him up, He intercedes on our behalf and His Spirit intercedes in our hearts, and in our lives. 
We have the power to live different lives. We have the, fa- the power to break free from what hurts us, from the now, from the empty. In Christ, you're not worshiping an idea or historical figure or a great example. Jesus isn't going to give you seven ways to make blank better. He wants your heart and he wants your life and he wants to transform it and he is able to do so. No longer does the emptiness you experience have the last word in your life because the empty tomb, Jesus Christ, is here in this place and he has the final word. He indeed has all power over sin and death and darkness. What about you? Do you want to give your life to Jesus Christ? If you haven't done so, I want to invite you as we pray this morning to do that. Whatever emptiness you know in your life, whatever pain, whatever hardship you've experienced, I want you to know that there is a God who loves you, that he sent his one and only son, that you didn't have to live in the darkness. You don't have to live in the pain and the fear and the anxiety that you know. It doesn't mean there won't be hard times. It doesn't mean there won't be injustice and hard things. But it does mean that the same God who has victory over sin and death and darkness, who left that tomb empty, can have victory in your life and in mine. One of my favorite quotes from Dr. R.C. Sproul says this, By his life, death, and resurrection, our Savior has conquered our enemies. Sin, death, darkness, racism, brokenness, addiction, whatever that is, he has the victory. He has conquered it. And by his Spirit, he has granted us to share in the victory. If you don't know Jesus Christ this morning as we close in prayer, I want to invite you. You can just ask him, say, Christ, I need you. God, I need you. If he's speaking to your heart, don't leave today. Not knowing what it means that you can have a new life. Not just a life is to come, but a new life now. And if you want to talk to somebody about that, I don't have anywhere to be. I have no brunch plans. Come up and talk to me after the service. That's what it means to know Jesus Christ. And to know that morning has broken, that the dawn has come, that the darkness is no more. And it nevermore will be that. Friends, that's the power that we say when we say that Christ indeed has risen. He has risen indeed. Let's pray. Father, this morning that we would know that if we have never made you our Savior, that all we have to do is pray and say, God, I can't do this myself. Never could. I thought I did. I thought I would. I thought I should, but I can't. I pray that if there's anyone here who's not given their life to you, that they would understand that all they have to do is, God, all they have to do is confess that they need you, that they can't do it on their own, that we can have new life in you, that we can say, God, I'm a sinner. I need you to save me. I need you to have every part of me. I'm going to lay this all down. I'm going to give it to you. My life feels empty, but I know that the emptiness of the tomb is what matters, that you have the victory, and God, I need that. So God, I pray that your spirit would pour down upon our lives, that those here maybe have given their life to you, but they're not living the way that they ought to. That this morning they would say, God, I want to live different. I'm going to look into some Bible studies. And whether if you're around here, you're welcome here, or from somewhere else that you'll find somewhere, you'll find a church that preaches 
the whole counsel of God because God's word will lead you into what's life-giving and what's good. So I pray, God, for all those this morning that they would lay down their burdens, that they would give their lives to you, that they would understand that the empty tomb changes everything. God, fill up those empty spaces in people's lives, that you would transform them, that we would belong more fully to you, that we would live in the power of the resurrection this day forward in our lives. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, amen. amen. Please stand and sing with us as we close this morning with Because He Lives. Bye.
now, friends. Go into all the world. Render to no one evil for evil, but strengthen the faint-hearted. Uphold the weak. Love and serve the Lord your God, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore. Amen. Happy Easter. Thank you.